May the peace of Christ be with you. This is Molly Vetter, Senior Pastor of the Westwood United Methodist Church in Los Angeles. Welcome to our Sanctuary Gathering podcast. Here we share the sermon preached on Sunday as a part of our Sanctuary Gathering. We hope that in these words you will be drawn closer to God and made more ready to love your neighbor. As a congregation, we embrace the words of the Hebrew prophet that are etched into the stairs that lead to our building, the calling to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. We also believe that we're a richer congregation for the diversity of people who participate in our community, and we celebrate the diversity of age, race, gender identity, and sexual orientation that participate in our church. You are welcome in this place, and we hope you will participate. We invite you to do your own theology, to wrestle with questions of faith as we seek out what it means to be faithful Christians today. You're welcome to join us not only by listening in to this podcast, but we also invite you to join in our congregational life. Every Sunday, you're welcome to join us for worship at 9.30 a.m. You can join us in our beautiful sanctuary in Los Angeles at the corner of Warner and Wilshire or online via our church Facebook page. All are welcome in our midst, and we thank you for being a part of our church. May these moments be a blessing to you today. Good morning. Today's reading is from the book of Thessalonians, chapter 5, verses 16 through 24. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise the words of the prophet, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do this. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our gospel reading today is from the first chapter of John, starting with verse 6. I invite you to listen for the word of God. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they'd been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, why then are you baptizing if you're neither the Messiah nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know. 
the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Before I begin, I want to share with you some news of our church family. I learned this morning of the death of Jean Mayfield, who was a member of this congregation. She died in October at the age of 104. She was able to live at home until she was 103, thanks to the help of caregivers. And she is survived and remembered by nieces and nephews who recall not only her loving care for them, but her work as a research nurse at UCLA. We give thanks to God for the life of Jean Mayfield. And I also want to share of you news of our church family of the death of Roz Nelson. Roz died this past Sunday morning. Too early for, get up, for us to get word in time to share it with you at worship, but you may have seen it in the email that went out to the congregation. Roz was a pillar of this congregation and lived these final years next door at Belmont, which made it possible for her to come across the driveway to worship on many occasions. We give thanks for her life, for the love that she shared beautifully with her family and so many others. We've planned a memorial service for Roz on Friday, December 22nd at 10 a.m. here in the sanctuary. It'll be followed by a reception in the loft, and then at noon the family will head over to uh, Forest Lawn for the burial at 1, and you're welcome there also, Uh, but the service will be 10 a.m. on the 22nd, and you are welcome. For the life of Rosalind Nelson, we give thanks to God. Will you join me in prayer? O holy God, may my words and our thoughts and our lives reflect the fullness and beauty of your grace. We pray in your holy name. Amen. This Sunday, we're celebrating the third Sunday of Advent, which brings us to the pink candle to the Sunday meant to be a pause from the traditional somberness of the season of Advent for joy. feels funny in our current cultural celebration of the holidays, which impose a lot of joy on us in all these weeks. In the old days, Advent was a longer season and a season focused more than it is presently on penitence and preparation. And so this Sunday in the middle, this pink Sunday, Gaudate Sunday, is an occasion to claim, to reclaim, to kindle joy. It is an invitation to know and remember that faithfulness in God invites us not just to some abstract status of faithfulness, but to joy and to flourishing in this life that God intends for us to know and experience and share joy in community with one another, to experience the pleasure of life and community and the gift of grace. There's so much in the world that points us in another direction these days. My heart has been heavy with the needs of our community, with the reality of our mortality, with awareness of the pain of war. This past Friday evening, 
our neighborhood became a centerpiece of organizing action and protest related to war in Gaza and violence in Israel. President Biden was holding a fundraising event in a home near Holmby Park, and so the park became a location for a, a, an organized demonstration in support of Palestine, an occasion for lots of folks and protesters to come to this neighborhood. Because they parked in Westwood Village in UCLA, it also meant a lot of people moving through the neighborhood. And the next morning when I woke up, I found uh, graffiti along not only much of Westwood uh, Wilshire Boulevard, but also on our church wall, on the wall around the playground. Um, as it stretched along Wilshire Boulevard, so much of the graffiti included anti-Semitic sentiments that are devastating and have no place in our community. And also expressions of the need for dignity in life for people in Palestine. We sit in this complicated place. And it felt that morning like a violation of the safety of our community. And it's certainly the reaction I got from many of our Jewish neighbors, including the two temples across the street. We called and began arrangements to paint over the graffiti early in the afternoon, but before we got there, I came around the church. Well, actually, Josh was heading out from practicing and noticed some people walking up to the building with cans of paint and thought, I should at least call Molly, which is a solid reaction. Uh, anytime you see unknown people caring. Anyway, it turns out that some neighbors who I spoke with who said they were connected both with the Sephardic temple and with Sinai temple across the street had decided to take up the cause of painting over graffiti along Wilshire Boulevard. And so by the time we realized what was happening, the um, graffiti had been painted over. I especially was touched by the woman I spoke to who was painting over, it, it was the wall around the playground that got painted on uh, for the most part. The woman that I was talking to was very proud of how well she'd done at matching the tone of white <laughs> that our wall was previously, which was a particular and loving thing that I received as a gift, a gift of our place in an interfaith community and context to be the recipient of care for our building by others was a great gift. And I continue to be grateful that we exist here in this place on the corner of Warner and Wilshire and our neighbors include people of Jewish faith and other faith and no faith. Grateful to be across the street from the Sephardic Temple and Sinai Temple. Anti-Semitism has no place in our community and I'm grateful to be a neighbor who's both recipient of care and I hope giver of care to our neighbors. My heart breaks because I want this community to be a place of safety and flourishing of life and even joy for all of our neighbors, including our Jewish neighbors. And it's part of our responsibility as Christians, in particular because the Christian church has sin to reckon with, with the ways our faith has in past and even in present been used as in a twisted way as an excuse to support the the harm of anti-Semitism. We have some responsibility in that. 
So to be the recipients of care by others was a gift. My heart breaks at the continual wreckage that comes out of the violence of war, devastation that was perpetuated in attacks on October 7th, and devastation that continues today in Israel and in Palestine as the count of lives lost in Gaza passes 17,000, the depth of the wounds of war becomes so deep and so sharp. And not only the lives lost, but all of the lives shaped and reshaped by the harm that is violence against humanity. I continue to struggle with how to express care for all those that hold a place in my heart, to refuse to merely take sides in a war, but to stand up for the full cause of humanity, which is, I believe, our calling. And so this morning, in a strange confluence of events, as we light this candle of joy, I grieve, mourn, and lament loss of life and violence everywhere. I've been inspired by the words of Valerie Kaur, who as a Sikh woman has articulated the way her religious tradition postures her away from violence toward connection and humanity. I find it deeply resonant with the call of our own Christian faith. She wrote on Instagram an invitation to be people who choose to grieve for all. She says, you will hear our aggression is the only response to their aggression, our fear more justified than their fear, our grief more devastating than theirs ever will be. But oh my love, she writes, the hierarchy of pain is the old way. The moment we allow our hearts to go numb is the moment we shut down our humanity. This morning, we hold space for pain and for grief, to mourn and to recognize as precious each life. This week, I had the chance to go with my husband, Matt, to a work holiday party uh, related to his company, met a lot of new people and had interesting conversations including with a coworker of his who grew up in Iran and tells a story of having been out for a walk with his grandfather at the age of eight and experiencing the shockwave from a bomb blast far enough that the wreckage wasn't near him, but the blast could knock him into a wall and leave a mark. I think of that wound that carries with him still just one moment and one eight-year-old in a story of too many people marked by violence. I think of my own husband whose service in the military took him to Iraq to see and experience violence and loss that no one should know. One person and one life forever changed by the reality of present violence. Our world has been shaped and reshaped, twisted and harmed by the presence of violence. And this day, as we gather to light candles in preparation for the birth of Jesus Christ, 
we hold space for the reality of that pain and that grief. The joy we celebrate on this third Sunday of Advent, the joy we have access to through the birth of Christ, is not a joy that is ignorant of the reality of pain. Maybe you've had a good belly laugh after a good cry at some point in your life. Both a good belly laugh and a good cry have a therapeutic effect on our human bodies. And scientists and neurologists and doctors may explain the mechanisms of the release that comes from those kind of somatic and bodily experiences of a good cry or a hearty, whole-body laugh. I believe that part of being human is experiencing the oppression of carrying these heavy things, the stress of living with the reality of harm and violence, damage we've done to one another, damage we carry as we think of others, heaviness that is hard to let go of. The invitation of joy is an invitation to claim something that's stronger and resilient, that somehow transcends even the reality of that heaviness and pain, not ignorant of it, but in full knowledge of it, choosing another way. Adrienne Marie Brown, whose emergent strategy I'm in the midst of reading, has been a helpful voice to me as I rethink how it is that we organize ourselves. Her work at articulating the gift of pleasure is also an invitation to know that joy can be a strategy for resistance to oppression. I think of Bishop Tutu, who preached with a bounce in his step from the depths of apartheid South Africa, who claimed a joy in full knowledge of the oppression of apartheid South Africa, but claimed also something that was deeper and truer, that is accessed through his trust in the love of God, who, even though the circumstances of the world told him he was not there yet, also believed and belonged in a joy that is salvation and liberation. It's a way of pushing back against the power of anything that wants to oppress us, to say you can't control our joy. I think of Paul and Silas singing from prison there in our New Testament story of an irrepressible invitation that comes in full knowledge of the grief of the world and in full knowledge of the power of our God that says, though I know things are hard, I will not let my life be taken from me. There is a thing that I have access to that you cannot stop, a joy that is irrepressible, an invitation to sing in the darkness to shout and laugh in the midst of the struggle, to belong and know ourselves beloved in the midst of a world that still has so much work to do. As I've tried to get better at practicing compassion, I find that there are times when I feel guilty for experiencing joy because I know someone else who's still in the midst of the struggle. I'm aware of someone who's still having a hard time This was never more sharply present for me than in December of 2020, when we were all stuck in our own homes in the midst of the COVID pandemic, 
when my own husband contracted COVID and was stuck at home, went to the emergency room, and I remember the anxiety and fear in my heart, and then my delight when he got better, when he returned uh, to life and to joy. I was experiencing all that story as I was following a Facebook friend who I'd come to know through his father. Leo Sang was a longtime member of this congregation, and I got to know his son, Jerry, as we planned his memorial service uh, earlier that year. And we followed each other on Facebook, like you do with folks you meet. Jerry's husband contracted COVID and went to the hospital and never came home. His life ended in the hospital, in isolation, with only the compassion of generous nurses who would hold up a FaceTime device to allow communication between the two. I remember feeling self-conscious, posting my own gratitude for my husband's recovery in the midst of my knowledge that Jerry's husband didn't recover, never got to come home. I remember feeling self-conscious about it and then so grateful when it was Jerry who posted. This was in the days when we mostly talked through posts, right? Jerry posted a note for me, celebrating and inviting full celebration because he understood how lonely it can be to experience loss, what a gift it is to know healing, and how deeply we need one another and connection. This third Sunday of Advent, as we celebrate the candle of joy, as we pray for joy in our lives, we know that joy becomes real through connection. Its deepest expression cannot be felt alone, but in our belonging with and for one another, we come to know and share a different quality of joy that bridges compassion, that invites us to know that we belong The same connection that allows us to mourn with one another, allows us to celebrate and give thanks and know something deeper and truer. In the gospel passage that I read today from the Gospel of John, we encounter John the Baptist out in the wilderness, inviting people to believe that another world is possible as he repeats the ancient words of the prophet Isaiah, a call that is on him a call that is becoming real in Jesus' birth, a call that is ours still to be the people who let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, who announce that another world is possible. There's this wild conversation that goes on between John and the religious authorities who are trying to figure out who he is, trying to recognize and label and make sense of his identity. Presumably so they can understand who he is, what he's about, where he's problematic, and where he fits the system. But John keeps uncomfortably refusing, saying who he isn't, and articulating his own identity in a way that doesn't make it all clear, which is how Jesus so often also operates in our scripture because we haven't yet imagined the system, the fullness of the world that will become real when we live into the values of Jesus Christ. So here, John the Baptist confirms who he isn't and invites us 
to imagine who he might be. The other thing he does that I love, John the Baptist in this passage keeps pointing beyond himself to Jesus. I am not the light. I have come to testify to the light, the true light, which enlightens everyone is coming into the world, he says. John the Baptist knows that his work is to point beyond himself to something bigger, which is a posture that I feel called to continue to take up even today, to know and notice where hope is coming into the world and to point it out and to amplify it for others, to know and notice where signs of the possibility of peace are coming into the world and to point it out and to amplify it for others, to know and to notice where joy is seeping through the cracks of our world and to echo the joy, to expand it and share it outward. Our call as Christians, as followers of Christ, is to be ones who continue to point, not only back at Jesus, but forward as we see the work of Christ around us, in our community, in ourselves, in our neighbors, and even our enemies. It's an invitation to recognize joy, to identify it where it is to be found, and to make it accessible to even more. The coming around to joy isn't a sort of full circle shift from grief to joy. I think of it in a three-dimensional space, that it's also an ascension. It's a coming back around on the other side, but in a different place. Because joy invites us not just to think otherwise from the heaviness of grief, but to believe in another thing that's possible, to believe in a greater vision, to believe that there's more to the story yet to be told as we're invited to participate and share in and bear and amplify the gift of life, of hope, and of joy. This Joy Sunday, I invite you to be people who receive joy, who take delight and laugh, who share it with others. Through this season of Advent, I've been grateful for the art of liberty worth of our congregation whose collages are hanging in our narthex gallery and also on the wall outside the church. The image that we've connected with this Sunday for joy has joy sort of spiraling out of the trumpet. It's a good, day, good thing the brass instruments are here today. It works well with the image. The sort of trumpet bell with joy spiraling out. We're invited to be people who let our insistence on the dignity of others have the boldness of a brass instrument to speak into the world a joy that invites us to join into the community, to swirl around one another with a buoyant joy that insists on dignity and life in full knowledge of the reality of pain and grief and oppression, but believing that there's always something more. May you recognize that joy and amplify and share and sing along. Amen.